with that, I'll ask you to take a Bible now to open it to the book of Philemon for maybe a seven-minute sermon. (laughs) This is on page, if you're using one of the pew Bibles provided for you, on page 940. It's a very short letter, and we'll read it in its entirety. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he has parted from you for a while, that you may have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers... I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Last week, we looked at this letter from the perspective of Onesimus. He's a runaway slave. We don't know exactly when he ran away or how he ran away, but likely that in his running away, not only did his master and owner Philemon lose someone who was an employee and a worker, but that he probably had to take some amount of money just to get away, just to get over to the next town, to get the next boat ride, to make it all the way to Rome. And so he'd committed in the first century a pretty significant crime, to flee and to steal from his master. And at some point in this journey of his own pursuit of political freedom, he heard the message of the gospel, the good news of 
God sending his son into the world to set all of us free from sin and shame. And that own desire of his to be politically free and economically free then resonated in his heart to hear the story of God sending his son to make him eternally free. And he heard it and he received it and he became a part of the family of God. Again, we don't know how, but he now is in Rome and knows of the Apostle Paul who's on a form of house arrest in Rome and he has now become a helpful friend to Paul while Paul's in house arrest. And enough time has happened that they have formed a relationship that when Paul writes this letter and says, Onesimus, I want you to take it back, he says to Philemon, I'm sending back my very heart. Like this is someone I have come to love and appreciate so much that as I'm sending him to you, I'm sending you my very heart. I'd rather keep him. I mean, he has become so helpful and so encouraging to me. So surely this is something that's developed over time. This didn't just happen in a week or two that Onesimus and Paul form this relationship. But Paul, with this burden to say, I want you to go back where you've run away from. And I want you to go back now free in Christ, free from guilt, free from shame, and go back to the very person that you ran away from and give this letter that I'm going to write to him. And I'm sending you believing that the nature of your relationship will be forever different. You won't be going back a slave. You'll be welcomed back as a brother. You will be politically, economically free as you are now spiritually emotionally and eternally free and so this week i'd like to just look at a bit at what paul says about himself in this letter first of all he introduces himself as a prisoner for christ jesus literally he is a prisoner in rome his desire to spread the good news of the gospel has now affected his life in such a way that some were so hostile to his speaking of the message that they wanted him bound and arrested. And he is writing several letters, not just this one, but other letters, Colossians and Ephesians, to other churches from the vantage point of prison. But he's, he's specific to not just say he's a prisoner in Rome, but that he's a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Because Paul understands the mission of his life to be about the message of Jesus Christ. And so whether he was in house arrest writing letters or whether he was free to walk around and go, whatever he was gonna do, it was gonna be about Jesus Christ. And so he had no embarrassment or shame in referring to himself in this way. In a lot of other letters, he actually uses the language of slavery, that he's a slave of Jesus Christ. It just strikes us as such a weird, it's not something you put as a badge of honor to say, I've really made it in life. You have, you know, what letters are after your name? Slave. Wait, wait a minute, that, that's a horrible reality, and it is a horrible reality. So how is Paul in his adult life able to talk about it in such a way that he uses it with no shame? And it's not that Christ is forcing him to do anything. It's not that Christ, uh, Christ is the one who has set him free. And he has so fallen in love with Christ that he's giving his life to do whatever he can to follow after him. He is a prisoner in Rome, but what Paul wants everyone to know is that he is a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Third, second, he's a father in the faith. 
God has given him this opportunity that though he used to be a persecutor of Christians, now he has the types of relationships with people that he has been used by God as an influence for them to come in faith. He's an older man now. He's not married. He doesn't have any kids of his own. But he is a father to so many people. And it's a powerful thing that he recognizes his opportunity, his authority, his privilege as a father to have a level of influence. And the way that he exercises this fatherly role in this relationship is to appeal to what he knows about Philemon and what he knows about Onesimus and to say to them, I want you two to come together. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to use my authority, not because I want to make you do something, but I see what's good for you. I see what you need. I see that God desires to reconcile you to each other and not just stay angry at each other forever, not just to fight forever and be bitter, but God wants to bring reconciliation in this relationship. And so he writes as a father of Onesimus, but also as someone who has authority in Philemon's life to say, God's used me in your life too, and I'm calling upon that now to bring you guys together. And he uses this fatherly love and authority that he has in the faith over them to be a mediator of reconciliation. Philemon has lost a servant. He is owed money. And what Paul does in verse 17 through 19, he says to Philemon, if you consider me your partner, receive him, Onesimus, as you would receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. That's what it means to be a mediator. He knows what Philemon's issues are. He knows what Anissima's issues are. And he says, if I have to bear the cost to bring you guys back together, let me pick up the tab. But God wants you back together. And it's not something that can happen without a cost. There was real hurt, real loss. But Paul is entering into this as a mediator, willing to take on this sacrifice to bring them back together. Now, why is Paul willing to do this? Because this is what Paul understands Christ has done for the whole world. Christ has looked at our need, our sin, the dead on our account, and the way, therefore, we are all in broken fellowship with the creator of the universe. And he entered into this world knowing fully what it's like from the perspective of God in the person of Jesus now knowing fully what it's like from the perspective of humanity and saying all of the cost that's needed to bring this back together and to reconcile humanity with its creator, Christ was willing to bear. That's what we're about as Christians. No one enters in the kingdom simply by addition. We enter into the kingdom through reconciliation. The message of the gospel is not just an add-on to our lives. It is the good news that though we are guilty and should be punished, someone has made it possible not simply for the punishment to go away, but for the relationship to be restored. And as we think about supporting missionaries and doing work 
locally in our own lives with our own relationships and friends and family, neighborhoods and coworkers, and as we think of supporting other people. This is the work that we want to support. Are we as Christians willing to be mediators in this world between people whose relationship is broken? And because of the sacrifice that God has made for us, we will gladly and joyfully make a sacrifice so that they could become one again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of reconciliation that is offered to each and every one of us. That your son can stand in the gap of our need, can see all of our debts, everything it is that we're running away from, and from a posture of both authority and love and generosity can willingly assume the cost for our redemption. We thank you for the good news that we need for every phase of life that we're in, that this is great news for those who are homebound right now, whose bodies are struggling, to know that you are the mediator for them. You are the one who has done everything that's necessary to give us all new bodies in heaven forever. For those who have lost loved ones this week, to know that you are the one who has stood in the gap so that there is the promise and hope of eternal life, that you give us all the resources we need to say yes to marriage, to say yes to growing our families, to say yes to reaching out to strangers and hospitality. You are the one who makes all of these things possible. And so we pray that you would help us to enter into your good work, to be agents of reconciliation as your son was for each and every one of us.